Wednesday, the 1st of June. It's half past 12. Uh, and it's a solo edition of the podcast. If it's your first time listening, uh, I do a couple of podcasts every week. Uh, usually Friday night, I get a guest on. This coming Friday, it's Davey Moo. You might know him off Twitter or TikTok. He does a lot of uh, political content. Uh, speaks about trans rights and government corruption and so on. So looking forward to that chat with him. That's Friday night, half seven. Um, and then I do a midweek one where it's just me musing over the events of the week, trying to make sense of the senseless. Um, and that's that's kind of that's that, that's the vibe. OK, uh, that's the pitch. Uh, actually, do you know what? That's not the pitch. I, I always forget to mention the Patreon. Thank you so much to uh, to Kerry and to Paul uh on the patreon and uh, thanks very much for the uh, to the couple of people who have uh, supported the podcast via uh buy me a coffee uh there's links to that on the website the website where everything is kept safe and sound all of the episodes of all of the podcasts featuring uh, guests like otto english marina perkis super tansky uh jim felton i'm casting my mind back now dane baptiste there's been loads it's been loads of fun like over the last uh, year and a half running the podcast um, but all of those episodes are up on funk27.co.uk. So you can Google that, uh, funk27. And uh, I also write a weekly blog, if that's of any interest to anyone anywhere. Uh, I usually try to make... I try and find the funny in the week's fucking abysmal, dismal political goings-on. It's hard sometimes, but you gotta you got to really scrape the barrel to try and get to those low, low, like doom lols you know what i mean like real like dist like how fucked are we dystopia lols like gallows humor so so there's a blog on there and all of the podcasts uh and that's on funk27.co.uk which you can google uh there's a hyphen in there somewhere so uh, uh have a look for it um what are we talking about today on the podcast uh normally i do these episodes and they're you know they're, they're solo and i fritter playfully between weird and wonderful american stories uh which are usually where someone grabs a gun and murders their best friend over a bottle of mountain dew or something you know uh and, and then british nonsense where i don't know like what the british equivalent of that is of those american like kind of gun stories like what is the what's the shit british version of awful american gun stories you know, like, I don't know if you if you know the whole kind of shit British version thing. I don't know if I made it up or if I heard it somewhere. But what I mean is like, do you remember Pimp My Ride was a, a show on MTV years ago? Uh, it was a, this thing with the rapper exhibit hosted it. And these kids would write to MTV and say, oh, I've got an old beaten up VW Beetle or, you know, check out my old van. And, and then he would pimp their ride right so they would do it up give it a paint job give it a new stereo system and you know they spent fucking like fifty thousand dollars or like a hundred thousand dollars doing up these fucking old beaten up rides right uh so it's like a big budget show in america uh and then also on mtv uh was like mtv cribs um and in the u.s it was like visiting michael jordan's house you know, or, or some rapper who'd sold like 12 million albums because America's a big market commercially, right? It's like 350 million people, I think, in, live in the US. Maybe it's 400 million now, I don't know. So if you sell 12 million albums in the US market, then you've got like $5 million in the bank, right? Or like $7 million. In the, so you're doing all right because of the American market, right? So these guys were rich. 
So on cribs, like their houses were nice. MTV Cribs going to Mariah Carey's like New York penthouse and some American football guy's mansion and and, and so like that was the American version. And then the shit British version would be like because it's a way smaller market, right? It's not America over here. Like a number one album here is not the same money as you would make in America with number one album. So like over here, Cribs would be like the backing singer of Atomic Kitten. <laughs> like like who'd sold 70,000 copies of a single, right? But didn't write it. So they don't get like the songwriter money from it. They didn't really make any money. They got fucked over by the record company. And then they came away with just enough to pay like most of her mortgage off. But now she works as a recruitment consultant or something like that. It's like that kind of vibe, you know, like where the story isn't so much inspiring as actually quite depressing. You know, it's less like like MTV Cribs in America is like, wow, you know, look at how this rich and famous person gets to live. And then MTV Cribs in the UK is like she flew too close to the sun and now she's an estate agent in Bogner. You know, like it's like. It's just a different thing. MTV Cribs UK are like, fuck it, she'll do. You know, she might not be rich, but can she sing? And like producers are like, no, she like also no. <laughs> so then they're like, well, yeah, welcome to my crib, MTV. And it's, you know, in America, it's like three door garage, mansion, collection of sports cars, two pools, a private plane. Then the shit British version is like, hey, Kerry, we're here to film your lifestyle. You know, she's like, Okay, have you ever have you ever been to Elephant and Castle before? You know, like just that's the difference with so much of like US and UK, isn't it? It's like like they're super G'd up and enthusiastic over there because they have that American dream, this big consumer market where like it is technically possible to get signed and sing and dance and make like a hundred million dollars. In America, it's possible to do that because of the size of the market. So they have that enthusiasm and that optimism fueled by that. Over here, we sort of like we temper our ambition and subsequent enthusiasm because it's a smaller market. Like there's a limit to what we can achieve. I think there's something in that. So it's like even if you work your ass off, tour and sing and dance for like years like you're probably only gonna make enough to buy a three bed somewhere you know so we we temper that aspiration i think that's why we're so more like you know calm over here we're just not as like lit up all the time like americans walk in a room like p diddy they're like oh shit dog it's gotta be big you know like brits are walking the same room like well you know hang on a minute you know let's just settle down you know <laughs> anyway i'm going way off piece here already um you know i think what i was saying there was like i normally do these stories about america and american news and invariably they're around the weirder news stories that come over here because weird news stories in america you know arriving and it's got to have something kooky in it. it's got to be a bit weird so and it, like invariably those stories are, are gun related and obviously this week has been or the last 10 days have been hugely gun related in uh in the u.s and normally i have these u.s news stories that have made the news gun crime uh and then you know then occasionally i'll go into whatever the shit british version of that is i suppose but i mean like like british news 
for me it's like it, doing these these shows it's invariably something political isn't it it's like parliamentary flavored but in actuality the shit british version of an american gun crime story where like you know a meth head kills another meth head over a nine dollar debt outside a 7-eleven you know like one of them was a former contestant on the bachelor like that that kind of thing the shit british version of that i guess would be like uh uh like spice smoking idiot sends mate to casualty you know i'd like to do a show on something like that but i think it's just it's just kind of proper ingrained in us in the uk now you know we've just come to expect that things will just be a bit shitter here i think that it comes from pretending we're still cock of the hoop i think you have to bear with me while i try to make sense of what the fuck i'm talking about here but like you know when when i say like we temper our ambitions and we temper our enthusiasm levels in a way that americans don't appear to uh i think we did like part of it comes from that we sort of we still strut around we still think that we're like leading the world we still like to think we're like ruling the waves and it's the british empire and the queen and the beatles and so we live off our past glories coasting on our ancestors coattails like we won the war we won the war it's always a bit like did you really you know like what what the fuck did you do how did you win the war you know like what did, were you involved in some way 70 years before you were born so the uk stuck in the past and the us is stuck in the present they can't move forward with its gun control problem is gun addiction the uk stuck in the past the U.S. is stuck in the present. It's U.K. legacy and U.S. lunacy, in short. It's utter fucking madness either side of the pond <laughs> in different ways. It's like, you know, we're just hooked on nostalgia and the war and fucking Churchill. And, like, the U.S. are hooked on guns and freedom and, you know. So here's, here's a question for you. Bit weird. But do you think... Do you think maybe the Atlantic Ocean has a shit ton of cortisol in it or like microdots? I was talking to Super Tansky about like taking acid <laughs> the other night. I was like, have you ever done acid? And it sort of lodged in my brain a bit, much like acid does. But like it, it sort of lodged in my brain. Where I was like, what if the reason that the US and the UK are so batshit and weird now is because somebody just dumped a load of acid or cortisol in in the atlantic ocean like that would explain it like honest question like the us are so batshit with their beliefs in gun ownership and god and let's be honest james fucking corden like america doesn't come off like a sane place in my opinion in a lot of people's opinions but equally let's not let ourselves off the hook the uk is so fucked up with whip culture and classism and kings and princesses like do you think i know it's weird but honestly ask yourself if somebody if somebody said to you yeah they dumped a hundred tons of acid in the atlantic in 1998 like wouldn't a little part of you be like yeah that makes perfect sense it would make sense it would explain so much wouldn't a little part of you be like you know what i personally felt that brexit trump 
And even before that, the invasion of Iraq, American Idol, and fucking the Fast and the Furious movies, I personally thought all of that was out to lunch, logic bin, batshit. Like, it was unrealistically crazy. I don't know anyone that was on board with any of that. You know, like, like honestly, think back, think back to you in 2005 or something. If you said to 2005 you, like, what do you think about making Donald Trump president? and tearing the UK out of the European Union for zero discernible benefits. You think either of those are sane moves? Do you think, like, 2005 you would say anything other than, what? Like, no, both of those are insane ideas, and you will never make it as a screenwriter, aid. Eh? Like, that's what 2005 would me would say to me. You'd be like, that's too far-fetched. It's, it's too much. You're overwriting this. You know, <laughs> start small. There's shit ideas that like it would take substances to make people get on board with those ideas. It's like when um, it's like when your mate like, you know, everyone's got that one mate that did way too much pot back in the day. You know, like your mate like Stoner Robbie or something, you know, it's like when your mate Stoner Robbie had a bit too much skunk and, you know, it's got a psychoactive element to it i think we all know that so stoner robbie who's done way too much skunk comes out with something like yo we should all we should all move to blackburn everyone's like oh shut up robbie you know like you you're baked you've you've fried your brain out it takes toxins and no sleep to think that these ideas are good it takes a total collapse of your cognitive ability to think our whole group should just up sticks and move to fucking blackburn with no jobs and no money it it Equally, it takes a total collapse of your faculties to think Brexit or a Trump premiership could ever be a net positive. <laughs> so so if you found out that somebody put acid in the water supply here, wouldn't a part of you be like, yeah, well, they made us crazy. <laughs> like, that explains all of this. You know, that was literally all insane behavior. I think it would almost be a relief. You know, I think... I think knowing the political insanity, the division, the tribalism was actually all just insanity. It would make it so much easier to accept, wouldn't it? If you could just box it all up like, oh, so we were all just on drugs. Right. OK, cool. Now we sober up and crack on. Right. Cool. So we're not actually really that bad. I'd fucking love it. Like, what a relief. What a relief to know that the last, like, seven years was actually just everyone was fucking baked out of their mind. Anyway, it's, uh, it's a hard time to take the piss out of the US at the moment in the way that maybe sometimes I normally do with, with gun stories. Because clearly they're going through their latest trauma. Uh, their latest sort of, you know, one month dip your toe into common sense and have some sort of discussion about gun control. The latest school shooting, latest NRA campaign to bolster support, the gun ownership debate. My take on gun ownership in the US is thus. Indulge me for a second. See if you agree with it. Um, also, hello to Jake. Uh, Jake Kid Hansen in the uh, in the chat. Join me on the live stream. Um, my take on, on gun ownership. Uh, I accept, you know, I used to be quite arrogant about this. I used to look at it like... Uh, you know, you could, a, anyone who can't see that gun ownership is a huge problem and that you just need to get rid of them all 
is not intelligent enough to enter the debate in the first place. So just get rid of the guns and all of the other people should just shut the fuck up. Like, that was honestly the place that I was coming from with a lot of my you know, thoughts and feelings uh, about gun ownership. But now um, I'd like to think I'm a little bit more accepting, a bit more understanding about the history of it. And, you know, like I accept it's become a cultural thing in some circles in America. I know that Yanks love their guns, or at least a huge chunk of Yanks love their guns. And I get that it harks back to their constitution and this idea that if a tyrannical government ever took hold, you know, then they'd all be able to form a militia. You know, imagine, like, there's a kind of, there's a cute angle to that, isn't there? It's kind of cute. Your granddad on his porch, clutching his 12 gauge, you know? Just this batty old granddad, grey hair, nostril hair coming out of his nose, like a stars and stripes hanky round his neck, clutching his 12 gauge, defending his freedom. In a country that has enough advanced military technology that if they wanted to seize his land, car, and his fucking daughters, they could silently drone bomb him in a second. Just, he wouldn't even, just a slight crescendo of, boom, gone. And yet still you have these people who are like, I gotta protect my family from tyranny, you know? Really, like, how, how are you gonna do that? I'm gonna sit here with my musket, and shoot anyone who come near. Right, but like, what if a silent drone hovers above your farm and obliterates it before you even hear about the military coup on your AM radio, you daft cunt? You know, it's like, I'm not trying to be too brutal here, but like, you know, like I, I don't sense that there's a, a full comprehension of the century that they're living in here. They're still like, if you even if you explain that shit to them, they're still like, nah, I'll scare them off with my rifle. It's like, you're not scaring anyone, you silly bastard. You know, like, you can barely fucking see out your glass eye with your fucking rifle on your port. Like, you're not scaring anyone except your daughters who are like, oh, God, he's got out of bed again. Oh, he's got, he's got the gun. Can you put the gun down, Dad? Down. You put the, the, the doctor said you can't have a gun in the house anymore, you know? That's the only people you're scaring. I'm not sure that some old bastard doddering around with a gun on his porch is going to scare the fucking US military. I just don't see it as, you know, it's not a fair fight. <laughs> but the thing is, like, as ever, and, and look, people more centred and articulate and clever and, you know, less self-satisfied than me have said this before. I'm positive and, and probably in much more diplomatic ways, but... The way I see it is like, like you may think that owning a gun is fine because then you're protected. And if a meth head burglar breaks in, then you can grab your gun and scare him off and, you know, shoot him or whatever. And great, you know, good for you. You ended the life of a mentally ill addict who should have been getting treatment in a medical facility, you know, like, but you've delivered him safely from that nightmare to this American dream. Blast his fucking head off. Great. Good for you. You fucking hero. But leave that angle aside for a minute. That's like the bluest of blue sky scenarios, right? Someone breaks in, you protect your family and, and shoot the guy. You shot a bad guy. Cool. Great. But then the scenario I always come back to is this. What happens if you, law-abiding citizen Buck Stevens or, you know, whatever, 
you work a steady job at the bank or i don't know like you know some logistics trucking ink company you know you're fine you know you're not a drug dealer or a street mugger or a school shooter even you know you just you just want the gun to protect you and your wife great what happens then if you come home early one day and your wife's getting rooted out by the two surfer dudes from next door you know that is a weird image to concoct and i don't like maybe i'm not putting this in the most diplomatic or easy to hear way but you know what happens if you come home from work knackered and you pay all the bills and you just took her away for the weekend for her birthday you just got married two weeks ago maybe you're loved up and you stood up there in front of all of your friends and family and you said that you love each other and be with each other through thick and thin and i'll never take another lover i just love you and then you walk in the apartment knackered from work you've had a bad day and she's getting double teamed and loving it just fucking loving the dick and you walk in and you see that now in the uk the shit british version which in this case is actually probably an improvement on the us one like the shit british version of that would be that you shout and scream at the two guys and probably your wife and you might i'm not saying you listener or me because you know we're great you know, we would never do this sort of thing. I'm saying the guy that got cheated on, this hypothetical guy that got cheated on, bust his wife in the middle of it. He might beat the shit out of his wife, which is obviously not good. Not a great day for his wife. Or maybe the surfer guys. Maybe he beats the shit out of them too. They all get a violent assault. Yeah. But even in 99.9% of cases in Britain or anywhere with gun control, probably everyone survives. You know? There's no murders. The shit British version in this instance is actually a better British version than the American one. There's no grisly blown out skulls and mourning relatives. It just goes back to what it was, which is an awful story about infidelity and cliche American surfer dudes that my brain made up. You know, like it just goes back to the, the, the nuts and bolts of what it is, which is a marriage and lying and extramarital affairs but that's like it starts and ends at that point and maybe somebody gets clocked around the face but they recover there's no fatalities but in america how does that story end the guy comes home catches his wife in the act with these two surfer dudes you know like the nra and the like the pro gun lot that you always see interviews circling around on twitter and channel 4 news and these people always act like gun ownership is fine because we're responsible grown-ups. We're not thugs, and we keep it locked away, out of reach, so my kid could never get hold of it. Nothing bad will ever happen as a result of, uh, of my gun ownership, and I'm responsible, and, you know. What happens when you're in that extreme, highly volatile situation, and you know that that gun is there, and you feel wronged and aggrieved? And, you know, like, you, it's your right to settle the score somehow. And it's there. It's immediate that that machine, that death machine, can put you in the driving seat. And they'll be sorry. You know what I mean? You're only human. That's the thing. And I don't know, it's kind of arrogant to think you'd be different. You would keep your cool where others haven't. Millions of times over in that same situation. How many times has that same situation played out? Again and again, and the guys just grabbed the gun and fucking shot everyone in the room. Ended up with, a f like, four life sentences. But no, they would keep their cool. 
in that situation. And these are the, invariably the same WWE wrestling lunatics who can scarcely keep their cool when Triple H or The Rock make an appearance or NASCAR come to town. They fucking shit their tits publicly about it. And we're supposed to believe that they'd maintain composure perfectly when their high school sweethearts fucking the pool boy. Christ. It's like, you could keep your cool? Really? Last time Donald Trump came to town, you missed your wife's birthday to go and see him and scream his name at him. But with this shit, you would keep composure. Okay, sure. Um, I don't know, man. They're all fucking nutty, aren't they? Like, it's so hard, I think, over here to, to empathize or sympathize. I don't know which one I would choose for it. To understand how somebody could want to have a death machine in their house. And yet, in my lesser moments, I can sort of understand it. I can kind of wrap my head around it. Because I think if the if the the crime level went up in my town and then my local, you know, MP was like, you know, we are looking into gun ownership and the crime rate is quite high and there have been other houses around here where people have broken in and violently attacked the occupants of the house. So if you would like to protect your family, you are now allowed to own a gun. I might be tempted to, me personally, like selfishly, I might be tempted to invest in a firearm to protect my family. But here's the wild thing. Even though I know that I selfishly would be tempted to do that, I think this is one of those instances where you have to say society has to be, be better than the individual. Society has to hold itself to a, a higher moral standard than the individual because our like individual innate desires tell us to do all kinds of crazy shit like how many times have you just wanted to fucking grab some guy's face and embed it in the curb and he didn't even do anything wrong he's just in front of you in the queue in the post office or he's not even in front of you he's just in the same shop but talking a bit loudly and you hate his face and you're like oh i just want to fucking murder that guy he's so annoying or maybe it's just me i don't know Maybe this episode of this podcast will be clipped and shown in some sort of courtroom appearance at some point in the view. I don't know. But I, I think I'm onto something when I say, you know, most of us have these primal urges where we would just like to grab somebody and fucking beat the shit out of them. But we don't because society tells us that there are rules and frameworks that we have to sit within from a behavioral perspective to make society a more pleasant place for everyone to exist in. You know, society has to be better than the individual. And I think... Gun ownership kind of fits into that. Like, I might want to hang someone if they wrong me or my family. But society's made the decision that we don't want to live in a place where we fucking string people up from trees and fucking hang them. <laughs> so I have to deal with that. Even if something bad happens to my family, I don't get to hunt that person and end their life. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, gun ownership kind of fits into that. Maybe I'm rambling. I don't know. Let's talk for a minute about the Queen's Jubilee, shall we? Because that's coming up. Uh, we've got a double bank holiday. So it's Wednesday, the 1st of June now. But Thursday and Friday this week, you don't have to go to work. So that's quite cool. Get some free time off, even if you're not a royalist, as I am not. Um, it's funny, like, sometimes I have to think back to why, why did I stop like liking even I, I never really loved the royal family i liked them i think back in the day before i really started engaging in critical thinking 
uh, not to sound, you know, like, because I feel like critical thinking's become like a an ugly, it's almost like a slur now. Oh, look at these two critical thinkers, you know, like, but it's, when when I first started critically thinking, and it probably was the first example of it, uh, was when I was watching footage of North Korea. And North Korea is the example that always gets wheeled out now lazily whenever there is uh, overblown coverage of um, of the royal family here. But honestly, this was this was years before people started wheeling it out as as a as sort of parallel. Um, but I remember watching coverage of North Korea, and I think it was Kim Jong Un had passed away, or maybe he was being ill or something. And the footage on the news was along the lines of it was people wailing in the street, and it was people um, saying on North Korean television that he was, you know, he was God sent or he was, you know, he was, uh, he did a lot for people or the people's ruler or, you know, you, know, you get the idea, you know, the sort of stuff that they, they funnel out in North Korea. Uh, and I remember looking at that and seeing these people like performative, performatively wailing in the street and this being broadcast out and the effect that that had on the wider North Korean population to, to then think that this was, you know, that they were heaven sent rulers and, and all that shit. And I started thinking to myself, well, hang on a second. Do we have that here? If we did have that here, what would that look like? And I started thinking about the royals. I was like, why do we like the royals? You know, and then I started looking at the tabloids. I started asking myself, how weird is it that we have a royal correspondent, you know, to cover the activities and the comings and goings of our princes and princesses? Like, how, what is that? And then I started thinking, like, why do these people like the royal family? Is it because they've weighed up the pros and cons of having a monarch or having a monarchy? Or is it because they're being funneled information? Not in the same way as North Korea, obviously. I'm not completely loony. But it is in the neighbourhood. You know, it's still state... Uh, it's not state-controlled media... But it's, you know, there's a very cosy relationship between Buckingham Palace's PR department and the Daily Mail and the Daily Express and to some extent the Sun. Although, you know, obviously the Sun have gone rogue a few times and embarrassed and exposed various royals. But, you know, they're very pro-royal mostly. You know, they they often run stories, gushy pieces about, oh, William and Kate arrived here and they cut a ribbon and aren't they wonderful? You know, it's like that kind of vibe. Uh, and when Harry and Meghan broke out of the royal family, for all intents and purposes, they were hugely critical of them. So they're very cosy with the royals. And all of this sort of positive royal coverage just oozing out of the tabloids here helps to condition the, the, the public discourse about how we feel about the royals. And then we get on to the Jubilee. We have this sort of four-day weekend celebration where it is rumoured that we're going to be spending, as, as the general public are rumoured to be spending, around £400 million in the next four days. How fucking outrageous is that? We're spending 400 million quid in the middle of a cost of living crisis to celebrate the reign of an unelected head of state who we're all conditioned to kind of like. You know, like, you might think that you like the Queen... But you have to ask yourself some, like, awkward questions about that. Why do you like the Queen? Well, I just do. But why? Well, I just like her. I like what she does. How do you know what she does? Well, stuff I read in the paper. 
Right. Who? Why do you think they're telling you that stuff? Well, I don't know. Like, what's all these questions? Why are you being weird? You know, it's like that. It's, it's this sort of... Our relationship, the general public in Britain, with the monarchy, with the royals, with the firm, if you like, is so in, intensely brainwashed. It's like people wouldn't even ask the question, like, like it, it wouldn't be like, why do you like the royals? It would be the inverse of that. It's like, why don't you like the royals? You have to give me an explicit reason why you hate the monarchy. And if you do say why you hate the monarchy, so... Um, oh fuck! I forget her name now. She's massive on Twitter. Uh, oh, I'm gonna kick myself now. She she works for or leads a lot of the stuff at Navara Media. Ash Sarkar is that her name? Uh, she was talking the other day about like she wants to abolish the monarchy, which sounds really strong. And she would be seen as absolutely like she would be seen as like a radical, a heretic, you know, a sort of troublemaker, rather than. I think is the more interesting question is like asking the people who are pro-royal, why do you like the royals? Where does that come from? And I think if you really peeled away the layers on that, if you really peeled that onion, I think it would be quite an embarrassing thing for them to have to examine their own beliefs and go, why do I like the Queen? Where did that information come from? At what point was I conditioned to think that the royals are good firstly when we know <laughs> we know their behavior over the last few decades has been questionable we still have loads of i'd love to do a whole podcast on why the queen last minute fixed it for paul burrell to get off do you remember that paul burrell case when he was in uh he was up in court for having stolen some of princess diana's private belongings and then at the last minute before he was due to, like, take the stand or be prosecuted or appear in court, at the last minute, the Queen stepped in and said, Oh, yes, I forgot that I asked him to look after those things. Last minute. She must have known that he was about to be prosecuted for how many weeks and months before. And, and at that last minute, she stepped in and went, Yep, no, this is, like, let's collapse the case, get rid of it. So, like, what was he about to reveal? There's so much dark shit. There's that quote that she's... Somebody quoted her as saying to... Oh, I can't remember who the fuck it was now. You can Google it. Uh, where she said, there are dark, powerful forces at work in this country. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, how can you say that? And then, you know, I'm, like, we need to know this stuff. If the head of state is unelected and is talking about powerful, dark forces at work, like... I, I want to know where that comes from, what she's talking about. There's so much dodgy shit over the last few decades. And, you know, inarguably before, in the centuries before. And yet, if you said, I don't like the royals, you would be seen as the sort of the outlier, if you like. And I think, just going back to my earlier thing of conditioning, I think if you asked people why they like the royals, I think it would go all the way back to nursery. Because right now, in the in the run-up to the Jubilee, uh, a friend of mine um, uh, was on Twitter earlier in the week saying... Um, uh, sorry, it's uh, Dr. Uh, Maria Norris, by the way. If you don't follow her, go and give her a follow. Uh, she's an expert on like anti-terrorism and, and, and that sort of stuff. But um, uh, she was on Twitter saying, you know, her, her kid's nursery are running Jubilee stuff and, 
you know, draping them all in red, white and blue. And, you know, that's great. It's a lot of fun for the kids. But then the kid comes home to her and starts saying, like, Mummy, I love the Queen. And she's like, uh, OK, why? And she's like, well, she just does so much for us. You know, it's like, where is she? Where? Why are we telling children this? What does she do for us? What does the Queen do for us? Oh, she makes lots of money for us. It's like, no, like what? What the fuck are you teaching these kids? Why is this conditioning starting now? Like at like four years old or five years old? It's fucking batshit. Or at least it appears batshit to me. And yet here's a here's a weird thing. I put a tweet out about this earlier. I reckon I'm pretty certain about this, but you can debate me if you like. Uh, I reckon for all of the sort of flag waving and blind support of the monarchy and people who are like, oh, I love the queen. Bloody love her. Yeah, oh, she's lovely. Yeah, well, I just love her for no ex you know, specific reason. I just I've been taught to love her. So I love her. I think all of those people who look at you as an outlier because you kind of want to abolish the monarchy. I think all of those people, if you said to them, would you abolish the monarchy if I gave you a one time 500 pound check? <laughs> I reckon every single one of them would take the check. They'd be like, oh, I love the queen. Do you love her enough to turn down 500 pounds? No, no, I'll take the 500 quid. Cheers. So like that, that love is quite superficial, I think. I don't think it really is an enduring love. I think most people would fucking bin the monarchy in a second for 500, probably less. There's a cost of living crisis on. If you offered to pay their heating bill for two months, I think they'd be like, yep, yeah, cool. Fuck off, Queenie. I mean, I love you. I love your little crown and everything, but I love not freezing to death more. So, yeah. My my take on the monarchy, look, I think, I think the Queen is probably about as good a head of state, you know, a monarch. I think she's probably about as good as you can expect. Uh, she at least appears to have some vague uh, affiliation with reality. She doesn't come off as overly entitled, although I accept that I'm only, you know, allowed to see the version of the Queen that we're all allowed to see, which is that she's a sweet old lady with a crown and, uh, you know, she likes appearing at charity things, you know. But she she's never, I don't think she's really put a foot wrong in the sense of, you know, appearing entitled or appearing out of touch or... Uh, overreach, uh, like overreaching for her role, you know, like that sort of vibe. I think she's about as good as you can expect for that role. But I honestly think once she goes, which is not going to be far off, let's be real. Uh, and when she goes, we will have a street party. No, uh, when she goes, we, we've got Charles. Now, Charles is a different character. Charles is going to be, he will overreach. He has put a foot wrong a few times. I'm sure he's a lovely guy and that he loves his kids. And I'm sure William and Harry are lovely as well. But I think once the Queen goes, we are in uncharted water. The Queen came up at a time when there was no internet. Uh, there was just, you know, I don't know, five newspapers and people got their news from one place and then talked about it in the pub. We're not in that world anymore. We're in a world now where Charles will become the King. He has put a foot wrong. He has overreached a bunch of times. He's nowhere near as popular as the Queen. And I think, honestly, it's it's going to be harder and harder. Like a Republican movement in the UK could easily build if he starts fucking up. Uh, and history tells me that he does kind of fuck up. So unless he sort of hands it over to William, 
pretty quickly. William is quite popular, right? I don't particularly like the royals. I'm just telling you, you know, statistically, William is a more popular royal than Charles, I believe. Uh, so there's a potential there that he could take things forward and save it. But I honestly think, given the superficial nature of how deep the love for the monarchy goes, and we just sort of covered that with a £500 check, uh, and the character of Charles and the expiration of Queen Elizabeth II, I, I don't know if I would fancy the monarchy's chances over the next 25 years. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that's leaving you on a downer or an upper. It depends if you're a royalist or a republican. I sort of feel like it would be prudent for them now to just wind it down slowly. <laughs> just like stop giving themselves 20 million pound pay rises. Stop spending fucking 28 million pounds on Jubilee weekends. Stop sort of contracting out exclusive coverage to this place and that place and cosy dinners with tabloid editors and like just wind it all down. You can still be the queen. You can still be the king or prince or whatever, but just stop all the fucking media management and just very slowly relax it because otherwise it is going to it's going to start pissing people off, especially as shit gets more and more expensive, especially as like gas and oil soar in price. People can't afford their heating. And then with throwing some sort of Caligulan banquet. Oh, isn't she such a nice lady? Look at her with her little crown. Yeah, no, that's great. But um, I haven't eaten in five days. You fucking cut. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, people, this is just going to get worse and worse. Unless we start to get a hold on it. Anyway, guys, I need to...